oftentimes you give you give other people too much credit and you don't give yourself enough. Mm. And um, I wish that that the the credit strategy it is that you know has been in my head for ten years that we just started a year ago. Um, I would have started five years earlier. And and because the, the amount of success it is that we are having now um, would have been incredible to be a little five years further. But you know it's we plan and God laughs and so here we are, no problem, right? So I wish that I would have done that. I wish I would have given myself personally more credit it is than I'd seen earlier. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great expert episode, and we have um, Jeremy Hill on the podcast. And Jeremy will introduce himself in just a second, but to give you a little bit of an intro. So Jeremy works a lot with a company called JB Capital, and they look to um, work with and help raise money, do things with, uh, help companies with institutional investors, large companies, small companies, allocating capital, looking for different uh, trends and and how to help uh, portfolio revenue, all those good buzzwords, and he's going to expand on it a lot more. So we'll have a great episode, and everybody will learn a little bit more about how to raise some money and how to grow a business. So with that as much of an intro, welcome onto the podcast, Jeremy. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you having me. That's wonderful. Excited to share some time with you. So I gave a very brief intro to you and gave a whole bunch of buzzwords, but maybe if you just want to introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience and kind of your background, what you do, and then we'll jump into a little bit of your uh, expertise. Yeah, of course, buddy. Thank you so much. So uh, name is Jeremy Hill. I'm uh, founder and managing partner of a company called JB Capital out in Seattle. And so the company's been around uh, 20 years. And so, uh, you know, or nearly 20 years, I guess. And so uh, for nearly 20 years, we had been in the investment banking advisory world. And so companies would retain us like you would retain, you know, you as, as either counsel or one thing or another, uh, you know, as a, as a hit man of capital, you know, for lack of a better word, right, to where uh, we'd get retained it is to go out and solve problems and just growing companies. Most of those problems had something to do with something to do with something to do with money. And so we got pretty good at both the, the advisory work and the transaction work of putting debt deals together for companies. So over that period of time, it was about three dollars uh, worth of advisory and transaction work. And so uh, primarily focused on debt-driven transactions for companies under $250 million in revenue. So these are the guys that are past the friends and family, mom and dad, rich uncle round to raising money, uh, but they're not yet to a point to where they can warrant attention from guys on Wall Street or something like that. Um, about a year ago, uh, as everybody's business, yours and mine, and everybody's continues to evolve, ours evolved as well. And we've made the election it is to move out of the middle and do from a principal position uh, what it is we've been doing for everybody else forever. So um, basically we formed our own uh, private credit strategy to where it is that we're now investing uh, and doing off of my balance sheet and our investors' balance sheet, what it is that we've been doing for you know some of the largest companies and families across the country for years and years now. So we operate a basically a private version of a commercial bank, and mm-hmm. we provide you know growth capital to companies across the country that are doing interesting things. So with that, I said you said now when you do so you've got the two or two different kind of businesses. Do you do both, run both of those in parallel? No, so we're we're pretty much out of the the investment banking and advisory business, right? So, you know, 
by default or dumb luck or, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? It is truly this, yeah, both, right? Exactly. <laughs> the, the truth is this last, you know, 18, 19 years of, of doing deals and working with entrepreneurs and companies and their, and their founders and their advisors and everything else has really served as, as almost the perfect um, education and proving ground it is to, to act as a principle now. Right. And so there's, there's not much that we haven't seen now, of course, as soon as I say that tomorrow, there'll be something to be like, wow, I've never seen that before, you know, but the, the reality is, is that um, we're kind of out of that business and really just truly looking to take kind of the knowledge and experience it is that we have bring our capital to basis and, and, and hopefully have a, uh, a very catalytic effect on what it is that our capital does to, you know, John's software business or whatever they're doing. Okay. No, that makes sense. And last question, then let's jump into some expertise and get some knowledge from you. So your current com current structure, what kind of range are you looking to invest in or kind of what is your sweet spot? And kind of sure. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're kind of two to $12 million check size. Right. And so I'm typically investing uh, so I, I'm a credit investor, right? Which means fancy way of saying I'm a lender. I loan money. Now sure. we can exist anywhere up and down the capital stack. So I can be senior. Uh, I can be sub, mes, unitranch. We can do a pref piece. We can do a number of different structures. I'm just not an equity guy. I just, that's not how I view the world. And so I view the world a little bit different. And so that's where it is that we play. Um, and so uh, typically one to three year terms. Hmm. So I'm not... I'm not trying to be an overnight bridge lender and I'm not trying to be private equity. So we're not a, we're not a one night stand and we're not a marriage proposal, right? You know, we're kind of, we're kind of somewhere in the middle. You're somewhere that dating, but not getting married. <laughs> you got so it. We're dating. If you were to take the millennial generation, which I, I always try to avoid myself from being in the hanging out stage. So. We're hanging out. We're doing Netflix and chill or whatever, right? Uh, <laughs> So now, and, 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 you know, so a lot of our audience, some of them are going to be in your range. A lot of them are going to be lower than that, right? They're going to yeah. be any, anywhere from a startup that I have an idea and we're now getting a bootstrapping it all the way up to their been in business for a few years. And they may be in the, you know, one or two plus million dollar range, or they may be hundreds of thousands breaking a million, but those type of things. But, you know, if they were now saying we're, we're before this, right? So we haven't reached the level of investor that would be 2 million plus dollars, but we want we want to set ourselves up for that. What are some of the things to look or to do good things to do to get yourself in a good situation? So when they reach that and they go out to somebody that is going to be an investor of that range, and or what are some of the red flags that they should avoid? Yeah, and and great questions. And it's 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 prudent for companies and their founders and their leadership teams it is to start having a lot of those conversations earlier, right? Because it's 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 easier to have those conversations earlier when there's less moving parts in the business um, than to try to figure it out, you know, after the, you know, cake is half baked, right? Kind of a thing, right? So I would say that the first things it is to do uh, when you're starting out is just make sure it is that you're organized, right? Like make sure, and it's easy to say this, and I know Devin, this is the same advice it is that you give from a council standpoint is just, you know, make sure your ducks are in a row. Make sure you just, you you have your documents, you're reporting your, your uh uh, your kind of financial metrics and order it is and all of that stuff lines up. Like, I don't want to look at one document and it tells me one forecast and look at another one and it tells me another, right? Because it, it either means you're disorganized or you don't know what the hell you're doing or a combination of both, right? Sure. Um, it, you, you want to have those things. And so really early on, it is important to invest in the right type of advisors. You want to make sure that you have 
the, the, the right type of CFO or right type of controller, right type of financial advisor with you. Mm. It doesn't have to be a full-time finance guy. It could be a half-time or a fractional CFO. There's nothing wrong with that when you're starting out. Don't let anybody tell you any different, right? Mm. Make sure that those guys are there to help you. Make sure it is that you got the right, you know, kind of attorney from, from an incorporation standpoint for what it is that you're wanting to do going forward and that they're giving you good advice from just kind of a formation standpoint. So I'm going to jump in and ask one before, because yeah. I like, so with that organization, so let's say, because you'll have a lot of startups and small business that absolutely should be organized and they're not, right? Meaning a lot of times you get to where, hey, I'm on a shoestring budget, or even if you got past the shoestring budget, you're still in that mode, right? We're p- pinching pennies or you get founders that really don't love to do the finance, so they don't pay as much of attention. So let's say I know that you get in that situation, or you have something in that situation, and they now, but they want, the, now they're saying we have to go and do cleanup, but we have to go and fix it, we have to do that. Do you have any advice for those type of individuals saying, hey, we need to get ready for investors. We don't, we haven't done a good job of bookkeeping. Should they go hire someone? What are your, kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, again, so if, if companies are getting ready to go to a stage um, to where they're going to go out and have money conversations, you know, whatever that money conversation is, whether it's with, you know, the local rich angel investor or even a more professional seasoned investor, mm. the, the more organized it is that you are, the better you articulate their story, the more, uh, um, you know, kind of better prepared and organized your financial statements and your, your accounts and, you know, where it is that you've been spending money, the better it is that that's organized and presented to the investor, that ultimately the better effect and the better conversations it is that you're going to have with those guys. It, it just, it doesn't, you can have the greatest idea in the whole wide world, but if you're totally scattered, early stage is so much of it is, is, is the idea, but it's also, it's also the jockey on the horse, right? right? You're, you're betting on the ability it is to be able for Joe to execute his idea, right? Everybody's got a great idea in the shower at two o'clock in the morning, right? Cool. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's the ability to execute on that idea. And so I would say that, that really before it is that you go out and have meaningful conversations is you are going to substantially increase your batting average if you've got your shit together, if you're organized, if your ducks are in a row, if your docs are together and your financial statements look good, it doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't, but it does have to be organized. Okay. And so and then one last follow up, and then I'm sure there are a few others we'll hit on with that. If you're, if you're not good at that, do you go and hire the, you know, and I'll call it the finance guy or the CPA or somebody of that nature to come in and help you do that on a temporary basis. I mean, you kind of mentioned, Hey, you can do it on go hire a part-time person than that. If yep. it, that that's kind of if you're saying hey i need to get this organized i'm not that guy then go and find that cfo or part-time cfo or at least a good cpa or something of that nature 100 100 there is most of the big regional firms and even most of the 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 local kind of community and you know mini regional firms it is wherever it is that you are wherever your audience is will have uh, um, you know, a, a bookkeeper and or accounting type, you know, practice built into their built into their CPA practice, to where instead of paying somebody 175, 250 bucks an hour to come in and do that, they've got a $60 an hour guy that can come in and spend 10 hours for you and clean up. And it, it's, I know for entrepreneurs, they hate spending money on that because that's not cool, right? I, I totally get it. Kind of like some intellectual property. It's not cool until you need it. And then when investors exactly. say, hey, how do, you, how do you protect this? And like, ah, that's a good question. Then it's cool. But yeah, no, exactly I Exactly right. Exactly right. You, you just, yes, it's worth 
it's worth spending the money to have somebody help you clean that up. And if you're not good at it, you trying to do it is just going to frustrate yourself. Mm. So just focus on the stuff that you're good at as an entrepreneur and hire out your, hire out your weaknesses, hire the stuff it is that you're not the best at. Okay. No. So I think that's good. So that's one, 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 we only got in one before I, I started to ask questions, but be organized, make sure you have good finance. And so if, if people are in startup stage, if they're wanting to get set up or ready to go to an investor or they're getting ready to pitch, make sure your numbers are clear, that they're congruent, that your numbers are, are been gone through either by if you're good at it yourself or make sure to hire that person that can do that. So yep. that's one piece of advice and sound like you had a couple others. So maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing it is that I would think too, is that number one, you, you, you need to know what it is that you're looking for, right? Just like, just like all of us, it is when you're looking for a spouse, there's plenty of different choices, right? You know, and you can say, I would want, I like long walks on the beach and making love after midnight, listening to Jimmy Buffett, you know, whatever, whatever your story is, right? It's, it's the same thing when you're, when you're looking for a financial partner. So the, the first thing it is that you need to really think about and uncover is that for where your business is and what it is that you're looking to accomplish, do, are you looking for an equity partner or are you looking for a lender? And so the, for me, in my view, and it's just my opinion, mm. but I've always looked at, at debt like dating and equity like marriage, mm. right? And so if you are going out and looking for an equity partner, I want to raise a million dollars for my business or whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. If I'm going to go raise money for that business and I'm going to give up 10% or 50% or whatever the number is for my business for doing so, I want, I, I want people to think about that like you're walking down the aisle, picking out China patterns and about to say, I do, right? And mm -hmm. so for me personally, the only a person it is that I've ever wanted to partner with or be married to is my wife. Right. And so we've been married almost 25 years and she's pretty freaking awesome. Right. She's totally hot too, which is a bonus. Right. But for, for folks it is that are looking at a business partner mm. like that, you need to put in the time it is to understand who you're going to be married to, because just like, just like a marriage, just like me for my wife, there's plenty of things it is that that can be, uh, uh, totally uplifting and, and fill a void and allow you to do things in your life. It is that you wouldn't do without that support and that, that, that partnership, mm. the right business partner can do that too. But everybody knows somebody it is who's had a bad marriage or has gone through a divorce or done one thing or another, and it can wreck you emotionally. It can wreck your finances. It can screw up your kids. It can do all sorts of stuff. Right. And that, that's also like choosing the wrong business partner. Like it can, it can dramatically impact in a negative way your business or it can put the business out of business. Mm. So if, if you're not gonna date and borrow money, you're gonna go get married, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but do make sure it is that you know what you're looking for in a partner. So diving into this that a bit more, cause I completely agree. And you can have, there's either you can have a great partner that absolutely helps to grow the business or it can be a crappy partner that you hate and you yeah. can't wait to get out and figure out how to, dissolve the partnership, right? But if you were to look and say what, you know, if a lot of, if you get into a, a small business or a startup, they're saying, all I know is I need money, right? And they're saying, you know, either we have purchase orders that we can't fulfill, so we need to get money, or they're saying, hey, we need to have money in order to actually develop the product, or we have sales and now we're going, but we need, we want to grow and we want to expand, or we need more team members to really ratchet this up, whatever the case is for money. What are some of the ways that you figure out who your partner, the partner that you want is, right? If you, if you know you need the money, 
But then beyond that, you haven't, you don't, you're not experienced. What are some of the ways or things that you should look at or think about when you're trying to identify who is a good partner? Yeah, totally. Great question. So you said it perfectly, right? Is that most of these entrepreneurs, it is, they just know they need money, right? right. Like they don't care if they get it from you or from me or from the Easter Bunny. Like it doesn't matter, but I need 250 grand and I need it tomorrow. And do I got any takers, right? Like who's in, right? You know, so it's everybody, when you look at, like uh, uh, an equity partner, right? Mm. Everybody has heard of, you know, either an angel investor or a high net worth guy. There's somebody in your community, in my community it is that this is Joe, the rich guy it is who loves looking at companies, right? So that's typically an angel investor. Everybody's mm. heard of venture capital as well, right? And then they've heard of private equity in the newspapers and stuff like this. And so each of these guys, it is, um, their capital works differently. And so it's important for entrepreneurs as they're going out and thinking about what it is that they want to understand what kind of partner it is that they want and mm -hmm. what that partner's expectations are for their capital. Mm -hmm. And so for companies it is that are earlier stage, they're at the idea stage or they're just kind of sort of getting off the ground or, you know, they're a little bit further, but they're not yet to a point to where it is that, you know, they're a million or two or five or 10 or profitable or one thing or another. A lot of these guys are getting started from either friends and family loans or rich uncle loans or the local, you know, angel investor loans, right? And so most of those guys in either a seed investment or an angel investment, these are typically smaller check sizes. Could be anywhere from five grand up to, you know, a couple hundred grand typically. Um, most of those guys are taking a significant degree of risk in putting that capital to work based upon where the business is, right? And so... Uh, as a result of which, they're typically going to want a bigger whack, right? Like they're going to expect a bigger return, like, you know, probably 20, 50 times or greater on their money for taking a risk at where it is that that business is, right? And so people need to understand that. The, as the business gets more established, we've heard of venture capital, right? And so venture capital still will work with younger, earlier stage companies that are either at seed stage or pre-revenue or maybe have their first, you know, few customers and they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, V1 product is done and that kind of a thing, right? And these guys, depending upon the size of their fund, are writing checks from 250 grand, candidly, up to probably 10 million mm. earlier stage companies. For them, most of the venture capitalists are really looking for, honestly, about a 10x return on their money within 36 to 48 months max, mm. right? And so the old school formula of VCs was we're going to look at 100 companies to invest in 10. And of the tenant is that we invest in, you know, six are going to probably go to crap. <laughs> Two or three are going to do okay. And one of them we're going to shoot the lights out on. Right. And so, and then they hope the one that they shoot the lights out on becomes, you know, eBay or Facebook or one thing or another to make up for the losses for the other thing. Right. And so they're really looking at running a process. It is to take Devin and Jeremy's software business or idea or whatever it is that we have mm. from A to B really, really quickly so that there's a liquidity event so they can go do it again. So those guys are going to look for uh, more involvement in your business, a bigger slug of equity, and they want to be kind of in and out into the next stage of capital within kind of 36 months. And they're looking for a 10x return on their business. Mm. Okay. As businesses mature, and this may not be, you know, really where your audience is, but private equity is typically coming into more midstream and upstream companies it is that are kind of $10 million in revenue up to, you know, a hundred million or even up to a billion and they're really, rather than looking on multiples of, I want 10 times my money, 
they're looking to try to map back to a 15 to 20% IRR on their capital. They're typically using leverage in some way or another to kind of juice the returns of the equity it is that they put in. And then over a five or seven year period of time, they want to exit that investment. And whether that exit is selling to another private equity firm or taking a company public or one thing or another. So for the investors that are trying to figure out where they fit, for the earlier stage guys, you got to know that typically the earlier on that you are, um, it, you know, you may be in a situation to where it is that you're giving up more than you should. And so um, it's always good to find friendly capital if you can find it. Mm. You know, uh, you can advise guys on putting a safe deal together, right? You know, uh, sure. so it, there's, there's opportunities like that. So maybe shifting gear, I'm going to flip the question almost 180 degrees. When is the time that you shouldn't be looking for money, right? And I get it's you know, if you're talking to, you know, it's kind of like you're talking to a patent attorney. Should I never get a patent or trademark? It's always a bit of a biased answer because you always see it through the lens of this is beneficial. But when are the times that you're saying this, I wouldn't advise someone to go raise money. Or I wouldn't advise somebody, even if, because even if somebody is coming saying, I'd like to invest, you're saying, hey, it doesn't, you sh I, I wouldn't recommend that you take that money because it's not, a and you touched on it a little bit, but what are, you know, maybe any thoughts on that as to sometimes when you shouldn't, when you should turn down money or shouldn't go out and look for it? Well, I mean, two different questions, right? So when you should turn down money um, and then when you shouldn't go look for it, right? I think that there, you shouldn't, you should turn down money if there's no other benefit to that money than money. So one of the, one of the rules for us as we're looking at companies is that, that if the only thing it is that I'm providing to Joe's software business is a check, mm. then not only should he not take my money, but I shouldn't give it to him. Right. And so for companies as they're early on and kind of building, once they begin the kind of dating process of looking at investors and meeting with people and that kind of thing is great. Mm. If they're getting attention there, even if they can come to terms that says, you know, Jeremy's going to invest in Devin's ABC company, whatever it is, mm -hmm. if the only thing I bring is money, then I just commoditized my, my, my offering, right? Like you, you want somebody that not only is going to come in and invest in the business, but they can open two new doors from you or for you. It is that you couldn't do on your own, right? Or they, they can walk you into two customers that you've been trying to get into that won't return your calls because you don't have, I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, but there's got to be more value than money. If there is not more value than money, then I, I don't ever recommend that guys take that. Okay. For companies, when you should or shouldn't look for money, there is an old adage that you and I've probably heard and told a thousand times is that if you ask for money, you're going to get advice. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ask for advice, sometimes you get money. Right. And so it's really, it's beginning for these entrepreneurs. It is to start surrounding themselves with people that are showing interest in the markets of what it is that they do. So if Devin is not a software investor or you're a software investor and I'm a real estate guy, I'm not going to come to you and pitch you a real estate deal because you don't care. It's, you, you know, I'm a real, I'm a software guy. Right. You know? And right. so know that audience and start to talk to people about what it is that you're doing. So if you can get meetings or somebody it is that'll champion you a meeting with an investor or a local VC or a local angel group, mm. there's nothing wrong with going in and not pitching for money, but just sharing your story. Mm. My name's Jeremy. Here's what it is that I'm doing. Here's my background. Here's what I'm working on. We're developing something great. We see this. We're not looking for money right now, but we will be in the future. And I just wanted to get to know you because I've heard great things about you. How do you guys like to invest and where do you find value and how do you work with companies like this? 
Hmm. And don't ask for money. Hmm. You, you, will, you will find the most successful guys like that, especially if you haven't already built and exited two or three or four deals or your brother's not rich or on the board of one thing or another. Hmm. Looking at it that way is refreshing because every freaking person that calls that guy is pitching him asking, I'm the greatest thing in the world, give me money, right? You know, and so if you don't do that and you're really genuinely just there trying to learn about them and saying, look, I'm working on something great. I'm not ready to talk to you yet, but I wanted to introduce myself. So when I call you, you know who I am. No, I think that that's, and that's an interesting way to pitch it. So, all right, shifting one gear, and this is a bit of a tangent, but so I'll ask it anyway. Thoughts on Shark Tank is, you know, and you, and I'll, I'll give the context of my question. Then I'll let you see what you think. Just because that's where everybody sees, you know, that's where everybody's ideas of, hey, I'm going to go on Shark Tank and they're going to give me a whole bunch of money. But, you know, one thing is, is they always pitch that they, they can add value, right? They can add doors, whether it's because they're on QVC or they're on a home shopping network or they're, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond or they have a whole bunch of Rolodex and probably some degree true, if nothing else, because they've been on TV and they, and they have lots of money. But like Shark Tank, don't like Shark Tank. Is it realistic, not realistic? Or give me, give a little bit of thought just because that's sure. a, one that's well known. Well, I mean, so people need to realize that Shark Tank first is entertainment, mm. right? Like it's a television show, right? You know, now it, there there is merit to it for exposure. So the ins and outs of how the contracts work on Shark Tank, I don't know from a perfection standpoint, I do know it is that if you come on and you get pit and you are able to pitch mm. that there is a there is a shark tank shark tank group or LLC or something it is that gets a skin of your business it is for the exposure on television regardless of whether they invest. Mm. Right. And so we've seen a number of businesses it is that either didn't take the deal from the sharks or one thing or another that their business has actually grown pretty substantially because they just got in front of 20 million eyeballs, right? Whether it's customers or investors. Um, I know a few people personally that are friends of mine. It is that their business has been featured on Shark Tank and they have had money Mm -hmm. invested from, you know, Shark One, Two, Three, whoever it is. And one has done okay and one has done nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? So it, it really, again, still goes back that, you know, Mark Cuban and Damon John and Lori and Herjavec and, you know, all these guys, super cool. And all of them are what are Mr. Wonderful. Can't forget about that dude. And you know, you, the, all of them have been wildly successful in their life and it's really cool, mm. but it's TV first, right? It's meant for entertainment. So the three minute clip it is that you see on there of what's published on TV mm. is about three hours of you and I pitching and going back and forth with the sharks that they consolidate into about five minutes of television. Yeah. And that's one thing I think is really, which a lot of people don't think about to your point, you're seeing a very highlight clip. And so, you know, it can make someone that's very good at pitching or very smart, look stupid. And it can make anybody that's not looking very good, make them look wonderful because they narrow it down and they try and narrow it down to make it the most interesting. One of the other things, just as my thought or aside is it's interesting. You go through and you look at the number of deals that fall through even after they've committed to invest on the show is quite high. I mean, they have, I think I looked at it at one point, it's only like one in like two or three in 10 at most, actually mm-hmm. after they get all the way through dil- due diligence, actually get invested even on the show. But mm-hmm. I think that's also probably somewhat reflective of 
the investing market as, as a, at large in the sense that just because somebody that says that they're going to give you money, they still have to do their due diligence. And maybe they do that before they commit. Maybe if they give you a soft commit, um, they're going to have to do due diligence and you might as well tell them the truth up front because they're going to figure it out during due diligence. And it's a whole lot better to be honest and upfront and not try and hide that than it is to wait till they discover it themselves. Thousand percent. It, and it's, it, again, just like you said, right? It, it's, um, and so for those guys that don't watch Shark Tank, they watch The Bachelor, there's always a proposal, but how many of them have gotten married? Like fucking none of them, right? You know, so it, the, this goes back, it is to ultimately, again, whether it's, whether you're, a lender or an equity investor, or whoever it is, one yeah. of the 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 best pieces of advice it is that I ever got or ever heard. I remember the day that it was. I remember what I was wearing and the city it is that I was in and the cigar I was smoking at the time. <laughs> and literally, the advice was, Jeremy, as your business grows, and as you do more and more deals and more and more partnerships, the single thing that you need to remember is the contracts are for the divorce, they're not for the marriage. Mm. And I was like. Oh, like a ton of bricks, it hit me, right? Mm. And so for anybody, as they're going in, like the early stages of your business, whether it's whether you've gone out for an investor or not, or whether you've come in with your best friend, your brother-in-law, your whoever it is, as a business partnership, it's always romantic at first. <laughs> it's always happiness and flowers and sonnets and chocolates and love. And, you know, it's all that at first. The best relationship ever. This is the best relationship life. ever, you know, right? Yep. It's always like that until it's not. And it's, it's important it is to have those hard conversations mm. about what marriage is going to be like up front, right? Because it's just, it's paramount importance, especially when it is that you're going in with an investor and they said, hey, great, I'm going to put a million dollars into your company for this, that, and the other thing. Awesome. Spend a lot of time on what happens it is when you disagree with that investor or they disagree with you or you don't meet your numbers or you want to do this and they want to do that. And it just, it's critical. Yeah. And I, I think that's, and that's why I think pe it, part of the, there are a lot of reasons why people hate attorneys, but that's why a lot of times they don't they always dread getting attorneys involved because attorneys, you're almost trained to think of worst case scenarios, right? What if this happens? Mm -hmm. Like, well, that will never happen. You're like, yeah, but if it does happen, it's our job to guard against you. And so, you know, and it's a fine line on the attorney side of you don't want to always be known as a deal killer or the person that always yeah. comes in and wrecks a, a good, you know, otherwise a good relationship because you point out all the possibilities. And so there is that balance. But I think to your point, the agreements and that's why you're setting it up. It's, it's not if, if everything goes well, nobody even pulls out the agreement and worries about it. It's only when things start to go crappy or, you know, start to go downhill yeah. and people are thinking now, how do I get my money back or how do I get the equity back or, you know, anything of the above and they pull out the agreement and say, what are my options? So I think yeah, that's- totally. it's, it's legal insurance, right? It's like life insurance, car insurance or anything. It's a pain in the butt until you get in a wreck, right? It sucks exactly. until somebody dies, right? So exactly. it, it's, it's the same thing there, yeah. So as we wrap up, and I, there are so many more things I think it'd be fun to talk about that we just never have time. But so I, I got one more question and I guess I'll jump to my, what I normally do. You, you just answer, normally on a podcast, I ask two questions. And the one is I always ask is what is the one piece of advice that you give to start up a small business? I think you just gave that. I'll, I'll ask the, the second other question I always ask, but I'll broaden it out a bit because you work with a lot of different businesses and invest and whatnot. What is the worst piece or worst business decision either you've made or that you've seen another business make? Oh man, how much more time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think one of the 
for myself personally, one of the worst, not worst decisions, but one of the decisions I wish that I would have changed is two things is number one, I wish that I would have moved from uh, banker to principal sooner. Mm. And I think that for uh, myself, because I'm human, just like you and everybody listening, mm. is that um, oftentimes you give, too, you give other people too much credit and you don't give yourself enough. Mm. And um, I wish that that the the credit strategy it is that you know has been in my head for ten years that we just started a year ago. Um, I would have started five years earlier, and and because the, the amount of success it is that we are having now um, would have been incredible to be a little five years further. But you know, it's we plan and God laughs, and so here we are, no problem, right? So I wish that I would have done that. I wish I would have given myself personally more credit it is than I'd seen earlier. No, and I, I think that that has expansive reach, right? In the sense that. A lot of times, it, I, now this is broadening out to a little bit beyond what you said, but you know, you always are, as an example, a lot of times as a business, you, you are, you always are looking for that guy, right? And usually it's a marketing or sales guy. If we just get the right marketing and sales guy, we'll take off, we'll, we'll go to the moon. And that's the one guy. And yet too often, I think to almost to your point, people don't give themselves enough credit. Most of the time, the best person they can sell the business is the CEO, is the founder. They're the ones that are most excited, know it the best and can do the best job. And so I think to your point, whatever the circumstances, give yourself more credit and have more faith in yourself is a, is a great takeaway from that. Yeah. Well, as, as we wrap up, so people want to now pitch you for investing. They want to, <laughs> and I don't know if that's what you want, but whether or not they're looking for investor, they want to get advice, they want to understand what are the red flags, are they ready, get connections with you or, or, just, or just connect up to you in general any or all of the above, whichever you want to do, what is the best way to reach out or connect with you? Oh, thank you for asking. So I, I'm happy to talk to anybody in your audience and whether we're the right guy for you or not, I'm happy to just be your friend and see if I can point you in the right direction. But for those folks it is that want to reach out to us, uh, you know, we're at jb-capital.com on the web, right? So you can just look up JB Capital and you'll find us. Same thing on LinkedIn and all social channels. You want to reach out to me personally, it's just Jeremy B. Hill on LinkedIn, or you can check us out. And we've got the Jeremy B. Hill show is a, a podcast. It is that's all across Google and Spotify and Apple and everywhere else. You can find us wherever it is that you want. So, but yeah, happy to talk to anybody in your audience and see if we can help them. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I encourage everybody to reach out, especially those that are fitting in with yours, but even those that aren't, I'm sure you're more than happy to give them their direction as to where, who to reach out to. So well, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Now, for those of you that are, have a, whether you're an expert and want to come on and share your expertise or just have a journey to tell, um, feel free to reach out to us at inventivejourneyguest.com and uh, apply to be on the podcast. Second, if you're, uh, if you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you get this episode and all the new episodes. And lastly, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach, to reach out to us at Miller IP Law, and we're always happy to help. Thank you again, Jeremy. It's been a fun time and a pleasure and uh, appreciate all the great advice. Thank you, my friend. I enjoyed it.